this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Through this stewardship season, and I, by the way, our stewardship commitment Sunday is next Sunday, and I hope you'll plan um, on reaching out to any of these committee leaders, but also uh, how important it is those giving cards help the leadership make important ministry budget decisions for the coming year. So if you ha- I hope you'll consider turning in one of those cards next Sunday or any time, really. But through this st- stewardship season, I wanted to share stories about why we're called to be the church. And I'm calling it grace in action. I wanted to share stories that remind us of who we are and who we're called to be, about the all-encompassing love of God, stories that talk about grace. And I hope you are taking some time to reflect upon how you can be a part of the ministry here I am often amazed and humbled, frankly, by the ways I see all of you sharing and giving of your gifts, from the adults who show up every week on Wednesday to help our young students or our youth who love every child who walks through these doors. They are loved here at First Christian Church, as is. I'm grateful for Sunday school teachers. I just filled in this morning at the third through fifth grade class. Lord, how I am grateful for Sunday school teachers. That hour was a little bit longer than I expected. I am grateful. I'm so grateful for you all. I'm grateful for those of you who help serve in mission projects. Um, For those of you who are leading the children's worship that happens downstairs. For those of you who come to HVAC meetings for that future heat and air conditioner that we will have, I am grateful for you living out your gifts in the life of this church. It means so much. And our story today is probably the most well-known story Jesus ever told. You know this story, the story of the Good Samaritan. In fact, we even use this phrase in our lingo. If, if you hear on the news, a, a Good Samaritan stopped to help after the accident. We know what that means. We are not picturing a little literal Samaritan person when we hear that. We're picturing someone who helps a stranger, someone who did something heroic. And so I invite you to read along with me today in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, 
And he fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near. When he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he took, put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii. He gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Stories like this one are so well known, so loved, that we almost forget how it came to be that Jesus told this story in the first place. The whole entire conversation happened thanks to a lawyer. We need to thank our attorneys for this one. He stood up to test Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a test. Give me your answer, Rabbi. And like any good rabbi, Jesus turns the question back on him. What do you think? What do you see there in the Torah? And he gives a beautiful answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all the strength. It is the most important scripture in all of the Jewish faith. And then he quotes Leviticus 19.18. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus likes his answer. Good answer. Do this and you will live. But we know how attorneys can be. It's a little too general. It's not specific enough. The definition's are a little too loose. So he asks another question. Who is my neighbor? Define neighbor. And Jesus replies by telling him a story. And here's the thing about this story. I've preached on this many, many times. I've talked about it lots of different ways. And I know you know this story, and I know I know this story. So I thought today, if you don't mind... I would retell it slightly in my own way for us to hear it this morning. So here goes. I want you to listen with me here to this version of events. One day, you are walking down the road on your way to Erlington. I don't know why you're walking to Erlington. Just go with me on this. You are walking to Erlington. You've got somewhere you have to be. You've got to get to Erlington. Even though people said it's getting late. That road is dangerous. People fly down that road. Don't walk out there. But you do. And you're walking down the road, and you are robbed, beaten to within an inch of your life. And you are left barely living and breathing in a ditch on the side of the road. They took your money. They take your cell phone. And you're lying there, and you cannot get up, and you are scared and alone, and it's getting darker outside. And soon you see a nice, well-dressed man walking down the road. He's the kind of guy 
who looks like he's on every community nonprofit's board, the kind of guy who looks like he's a church elder ready for church on Sunday and Wednesday and never misses. And you try to yell out to him, but he pretends he doesn't hear you. In fact, you know he must have seen you because he crosses to the other side of the road and he keeps on walking, doesn't even make eye contact with you. And a little while later, a minister, you know, someone looking like me, maybe wearing a clerical collar, comes walking down the road. And you try as best you can to shout, but you can barely speak. Your voice is that hurt. You are bleeding so terribly. And you try to shout, and this one hears you. But he doesn't stop for long. He says, you know, I can't help you. I'm sorry. i got to keep on going. I don't know what I could do here. He offers a quick blessing, drops a few coins nearby, and keeps on walking down the road. He doesn't stop. Meanwhile, it is now totally and completely dark. And he can barely breathe. You can barely breathe. The pain is so terrible. And you're thinking maybe this is it. Maybe this is it for you. And then suddenly he's there. A hand reaching down to you, offering you some water. They run, go get help. Go get something to wipe the blood off you. They carry you. Hold your hand. Tell you it's going to be okay. That you're not alone. This person gets you to the hospital sticks around for long into the middle of the night just so you know that there was somebody there, just so you know you're not alone. And then get this. They tell the hospital administration, you send that bill to me. I'll be paying their bill. Now here's the part of the story that I struggled with. Who is that person? Who should the Samaritan be? The priest and the Levite in the story, that one's easy. The minister, the church elder, yeah, that fits. They were the good religious types. And we know that to the Jews of that time, Samaritans were the heathens. They were the religious heretics. They were the outsiders. They were the people that the Jewish people avoided at all costs because they were wrong and they were trouble. And so I asked myself, well, in this retelling of the story, who should the Samaritan be? If you're in that ditch, who's the Samaritan? I think the Samaritan is the last person you'd ever expect to see reaching out a hand to you. I think the Samaritan is the person, it would just be like a lump in your throat to have to tell all your friends and family that this was the person who helped you. The Samaritan is the last person you'd ever expect to show you compassion. So who is that for you? Someone who makes you uncomfortable? Someone who disturbs you? Someone you see as an outsider or a heathen? Who is the Samaritan here? Most of the time, well, I think every time that I hear or tell this story, I immediately picture myself as the Samaritan. We want to be the hero, right? The one who gets it, the one who stops to help, the one 
who knows what we need to do, the one who shows compassion. I never, ever, ever picture myself as the person in the ditch. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to picture that person. I don't want to be that needy, desperately hurting person. We don't want to be the one in the ditch. But then I remembered how much my life and my faith has been changed by painful experiences. I've learned a lot from those hard times. My faith has been shaped in those hard times. Stories I never really wanted to happen in the first place. And the person in the ditch watched two people who looked like them, talked like them, voted like them, worshiped like them, just keep on walking right by. Too busy, too risky to stop. That person in the ditch knows what it feels like to be really alone and scared. And did that change him? Was he changed by that encounter with the Samaritan? The last person he ever thought would be the one to stop and help him? You wonder how that changes a person. Did he still laugh along when people told Samaritan jokes? And when he'd hear people talk about all those Samaritans and how bad they are, did he tell them the story of that night in the ditch? You wonder if the two of them are friends now. Are they having dinner together? Did he go and thank the Samaritan for saving his life? I think most especially I wonder today if maybe he was changed in such a way that the next time he saw somebody in the ditch, he was first to stop because he knew what it felt like, because he'd been there. He knew what it felt like to be that scared and alone. Did it change him? Did it make him more compassionate by what the Samaritan did for him? You know, one thing that I think we forget about this story is that, um, well, the Bible has some irony in it. It really does. We miss it sometimes, but there are hints of some humor, I think. And one thing about this story is something we often miss because this story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus tells here in Luke chapter 10. But at the very end of Luke chapter 9, there is a part of Jesus's ministry where he sends his disciples on up ahead of him. And where does he send them? Samaritan country. They are walking through Samaritan country, and the Samaritans aren't very nice. They kick them out of Dodge. They kick them out. And after that happens, James and John goes back to Jesus, and they are outraged on his behalf. And they say, Lord, do you want us, do you want to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. No. Now, I know it was a lawyer that started this Samaritan story by asking who is my neighbor, but I can't help but think that maybe as Jesus was telling this story to the lawyer, he was looking over his shoulder at all his disciples who were listening to that story, who heard every word, who heard Jesus tell a story where the hero is the person you hate. 
Isn't that just like Jesus? Every time you start to feel superior, every time you start to look down your nose at somebody and think, that would never be me. I would never be there. It couldn't be me. Every time we start to let judgment or hate rule our decisions, every time we think our faith, my faith, is so right, I am so holy, Jesus says, watch this. And he tells a story where the hero comes from the very village you just wanted to burn down. The Samaritan is grace in action. And he sees the man in the ditch. And that is no small thing. He refused to pretend the man in the ditch was invisible. And he was willing to be inconvenienced and to do the hard work of compassion. Don't you think? Don't you believe? That's how church should be. Amen.